Welcome to the QAA Membership Podcast. In this episode, we will talk about QAA's collaborative enhancement project on making the language of assessment inclusive. The project is led by the University of West of England in partnership with University of Brighton, University of Hertfordshire and University of Greenwich. The podcast explores the project's overarching objectives and its evidence-based approach to understand the role of language in making assessment inclusive. Designed in two parts, we start with the key drivers informing the project, the how of the project involving the methodology, and the idea of mysterious questions related to the terms and phrases used in assessments. In the second part, we speak to students who continue to play a key role in the success of the project. We discuss their experiences and look at opportunities that come with working collaboratively and cross-institutionally. We round off the podcast exploring the intended vision impact of the project for staff, for students and the sector in general. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast. To know more about QAA's collaborative enhancement projects, visit www.qaa.ac.uk. Without further ado, I would like to introduce our guests for this podcast. So, from the University of the West of England, we have with us... Hi, my name is Cathy Minnett-Smith. I'm the Associate Dean Learning Teacher and Student Experience in the Faculty of Business and Law at the University of the West of England. Hi, my name is Laura Bennett. I'm an Associate Director of Academic Practice, also at the University of West of England. Hello, my name is Nicole Skidmore and I am a student partner at the Academic Practice Directorate at the University of the West of England. Welcome, Cathy, Laura and Nicole. Moving from the West of England to the lovely seaside city of Brighton, from the University of Brighton, we are joined by... Hi there, my name is Juliet Eve. I'm head of the Learning and Teaching Hub here at the University of Brighton. Hi, I'm Jason Preston. I'm the student researcher uh, at the University of Brighton. And from Brighton, we turn towards the University of Hertfordshire, and from there we are joined by... Hello, my name is Marvell Brown. Um, I'm Principal Lecturer in Public Health, and I'm at the University of Hertfordshire, being the UH Lead Investigator on this project. Hi, my name is Dorothy Dienstuber, and I'm one of the student researchers from the University of Hertfordshire. Brilliant. Thank you, Marvel. Thank you, Dorothy. And from there, our final pit stop, the University of Greenwich, and we have with us... Hi, I'm Nikki McKimwa, and I am Head of Accreditation and Standards at the Greenwich Business School from the University of Greenwich. Brilliant. A very warm welcome to everybody. Now, we know that assessments play a vital role in shaping students' experience of their learning in higher education. However, there remains a tricky gap in language used in assessment and how it is understood, understood by students. So with this, I come to my first question, um, and Cathy, maybe you can, you can help us with this. What were really the key drivers uh, for this project? What inspired the project? Uh, I think there are lots of things, but certainly at the University of the West of England in the 2020-21 academic year, we had a partnership project running with students looking at the topic of assessment. And one of the big dominant themes that came through that work was um, the language of assessment and how there is a lack of shared understanding from the presentation of assessment task through to the marking of that task and then on through to the feedback. And it became a vicious circle really of dissatisfaction for everybody 
And the students were calling repeatedly to put the conversation back into assessment, which made us thinking about, well, where do we, what do we need to talk about? And what does that conversation need to focus on? And one of the things that, that came out as one of the key things we really did need to look at was the very words that we use all the time, the extent to which we are consistent with those words, that they appear in multiple places, which makes them familiar, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're understood, which is something no doubt we will talk about. Um, and that it means different things to different people in different modules. So to students, it is quite a minefield of confusion if we're not careful. And then that overlapped with some of the work which we were already doing in the university around inclusivity um, and well-being for students in the assessment space. Brilliant. Um, I wonder, Nikki, if you have any thoughts on uh, the, the inspiration behind the project. Thank you. Part of my role um, at the University of Greenwich involves reading feedback from external examiners and also reviewing end of module survey results um, from both processes where we were picking up evidence to suggest that there are um, things that we can and must do better to um, get a, a, an understanding of how to address a possible mismatch of expectations from students and staff. And um, that's one of the things that we thought it would be helpful to be part of this journey to explore. But also in terms of um, engagement of learners, um, assessment plays a very crucial role in the learning experience of students um, in general. Um, and higher education is not excluded in this respect. And so tested evidence indicates that um, students go through various activities. We introduce them to with interests, so lectures, seminars, field trips, and laboratory work. But the point at which most students engage is when it comes to assessment. And I feel that it's important that we um, get our students to the position where they can engage with confidence and clarity. And I think this project is going to be a real game for higher education institutions because it would enable us to do this in sort of uh, many ways. Thanks, thanks, Nikki. You mentioned about the clarity and you talk about the student understanding of some of the phrases that are used. Um, Marwell, if I may bring you in, what are some of the challenges that, from your perspective that students face? Well, I think, you know, what we, what we can actually see is that we can have common terms that we as academics think, believe that we understand what they are. But for students, it's actually, do they share the same understanding that we have? So this is really an opportunity to really look at the challenges those students are facing and with the sort of words and terms that we commonly use in, in assessments, but actually ones that are possibly challenging to our students, whether they're international or home students or students who are coming from non-traditional routes into higher education. It really was about how could we be looking at the way that we use language and the impact it can have if we don't actually get that right and understanding the inclusivity of that language for students. So really being part of this project was a really exciting opportunity to look at shared understanding between between us as in terms of higher education institutions, um, looking at the inclusive language that we, that we have and maybe having some kind of consistency of that across the sector, which ultimately one would hope would really improve, has an opportunity to improve student performance, which is clearly all what we want to see. Thanks, Marvel. I mean, you talk about the shared understanding and building the consistency. I, I wonder how does that link to the aspect of inclusivity? Um, Juliet, if you have any thoughts on that. 
Yes, thank you. So, I mean, we were really interested in being part of this project because um, it, it it very much speaks to two strands of work we've got going on at the University of Brighton. And, and one is our work on inclusivity, um, particularly with a focus on race equity. And we, we're particularly interested in um, measures we can take to address our awarding gap. So, we see um, we see this project as very much part of that that aspect of our work, and and the other part really was 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 to the other reason for wanting to be involved in this was because it fits very well with our institutional work we're doing around assessment and feedback. So we've got a a, a number of, of a sort of a program for the work we're going to do over a number of years in the assessment and feedback area, which is really looking at developing assessment and feedback literacy, both of our staff and with our students. And one aspect of that is around um, standardising our practice in relation to marking criteria, which is a particular piece of work I've been working on with colleagues recently, and thinking about um, the way that we um, can encourage um, staff to develop marking criteria and share these with students, um, but crucially, engage those students with marking criteria so students are beginning to be able to make judgments for themselves about the kind of standards they're going to be judged they're, they're going to be judged on and, and and so it all goes towards supporting students journey in terms of their assessment of feedback literacy that by the time they leave the institution they've got they've got some skills in learning not only to be able to assess their own work better but to be able to assess the work of peers as well brilliant i mean of course there are there are really amazing longer term goals as we as we consider this project but if i may focus on the specific for this particular one is uh, you know the, and, and perhaps for me it's, it's it stood out as one of the most exciting bits really is to is to think about the mysterious quotients and really and truly what is the mystery behind the mysterious quotients I think that's a good question, Amrita. Um, I think the phrase, I was trying to remember this the other day, I think the phrase did actually come from the students when we were talking to students um, because there's, we, we throw these words around all the time, as other people have just said. We use them a lot. Um, and I think sometimes we make the mistake of thinking familiarity, hearing something all the time makes it clear. Um, but I think all that we maybe are doing in some some cases is layering up the confusion. Um, and so when we were talking to, to students around um, on a task, they might be asked to reflect. And then in the marking criteria, it might say good reflection, very good reflection, excellent reflection, which doesn't actually help them understand what the reflect bit means. And then in the feedback, what might come back is inadequate reflection and all the way through. They didn't really know what reflection meant. Um, and the students the one day said to us, why is it such a mystery? And I think that's where this mysterious quotient idea came from. It's, it's almost like in some cases they're in a fog. It seems they're in a very familiar landscape and they should know everything that, that's going on. Likewise, so should we. But the minute the fog descends, the very familiar can suddenly become very unfamiliar and quite anxious. And the things that can contribute to that are things we know that some words and some phrases are more problematic than others, which um, other people will talk about, about later through some of the analysis. It confirmed some of the things that we knew about troublesome language, but also shone a light on some things which 
maybe we were a little bit surprised about. Um, the other things that can create the fog to form is when people use words in different ways and just assume that um, the way they're using it is the way that maybe a student is using it on another module, which might not be the case. It can be quite context specific sometimes what the words that we use in assessment actually mean. Analyze is a really good example of that. It can mean something very different in a humanities subject or quantitative subject, for example. Um, and sometimes there can be lack of consistency if you're on a module with a lot of markers. And so students could be getting different advice from different people about what they're looking for. And, and all it does is, is create this fog where the familiarity, rather than making students feel confident that they know what's expected of them, it plunges them into this very foggy landscape where they're not totally sure which way they are going. Um, so that's kind of where it came from, students saying, what's the mystery here? And typically when we spoke to students, what they wanted to know was, how do I start a task? And that usually resolved around, what is it you really want me to do? Aha, so, so that is the mystery of the mysterious questions now, now revealed. And I believe it's perhaps the tip of the iceberg, really, because when we think about um, the assessments, I guess some of the common issues or challenges in assessment space is there that exists both for staff and students. So kind of building up from this, uh, Juliet, I invite you to sort of share your reflections with us about the challenges that are being faced currently in this assessment landscape. Thanks, Amrita. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, we wanted very much, obviously, to um, use this project to build on existing research in this area. And there's been a lot of research over the years. Um, and I think some of this research has highlighted the, I suppose, challenges or frustrations, if you like, from a staff point of view, which, which are things like um, students not accessing their feedback, students not using their feedback. Um, so the frustration, I think, in the staff space is particularly around you know, as, as, as you mentioned um, earlier, staff spending a lot of time crafting lots of beautiful feedback and, and students not necessarily engaging with it in the way that we would that we would hope they that they would. So so not using it to, to improve their learning in the way that, that, that we think it should. I mean, I think that the flip side of that from the from the student point of view is that from students, research suggests that when students talk about um, feedback, there were a number of reasons why they don't engage in it. And sometimes that's they literally don't understand it. So they don't, it's full of jargon, they don't understand the terminology. Sometimes it's that they don't see it as very relevant. So it's giving them feedback on things they don't feel are particularly relevant to them. Sometimes it's a lack of student skill in that area. So they read the feedback and, and as Cathy said, they might be familiar with the words and they might even understand the words, but they don't know what to do with the words. So there's a gap then in terms of the student skill set between what's what the feedback they're getting, but the skills they have to implement that to improve their learning. Um, and then sometimes there's a sort of, I suppose, emotional or disposition um, factor that comes in. So students don't take action on the feedback because there are there are things which 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 prevent them from doing that. So there are barriers. There might be emotional barriers. You know, as we know, the, the emotional impact of feedback can be quite difficult for students to manage and therefore it can, can stop them engaging with it. Or or they again, they don't have the skills to know what to do with the feedback. What we've been seeing with a lot of the research that's been coming out recently is this real emphasis on student feedback literacy, and it very much puts the emphasis on students taking action in that area. So that's, I think, broadly speaking, the sort of main areas in, in the research landscape. And there, there, there were a few other issues as well. So um, 
one is again picking up on this picking up on this gap in terms of staff and student understanding um students need to be able to decode some of the feedback that they get and some of that um is is, de is decoding knowledge which is implicit or tacit knowledge i suppose that tutors have so tutors might use feedback and use words in a certain way and they understand what those words mean but students don't necessarily understand that and there's no dialogue around that to begin with so the students aren't being communicated with around what any of those terms mean and, and there's also a sort of related body of research I suppose which actually looks at the the understanding that academics have as a community of some of the terms used in assessment and feedback marking and 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 looking at things like intermarker reliability and so work by people like Sue Bloxham and Pete Boyd and Margaret Price has looked at um, if you if you take a group of academic staff and you ask them to mark something, they've looked at the, the fact that there's actually not very high levels of intermarker reliability, which suggests that we're all bringing tacit and implicit understandings of what we mean by certain terms and therefore how we um, assess students. We're bringing all that 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 subjective or personal knowledge, if you like, um, and we don't necessarily have a lot of opportunities as staff to make our own personal understandings explicit. So that's another area I think which causes a lot of confusion um, because we're not all starting from the same starting point, even as staff, before we even get to thinking about you know um, having that dialogue with students. And I think the final thing I want to say about it, sort of in this area, is the time factor. So I've mentioned the um, staff frustration in terms of crafting feedback, which don't, students don't use. And I hear a lot, and I'm sure my colleagues do, from staff that they don't have the time to really put in the amount of time they'd like to in terms of feedback. And I think that's particularly frustrating if staff feel they're putting time into feedback and then they feel that students are not using it. So I think the time issue also needs to think about the time we take with students in face-to-face -face activities and classroom activities with students to have dialogue about feedback. So to use some of that precious time that we do have with students to have conversations with them about feedback terminology, to, to really open up that, that dialogue around assessment and feedback. And obviously we're hoping that our project will, will contribute to this growing body of research in this area. That is really very, very interesting. I mean, we would we, we started with the mysterious questions as a starting point, but as we dig deeper, we know that there are uh, complexities involved when we're looking at building that shared understanding uh, between staff and students on various aspects of the assessment, as well as the um, feedback. So from these challenges that, that, that you've pointed, I mean, this nicely takes me back to the project in itself. And, and, and Laura, I wonder if, um, if it would be useful um, you know, for us to sort of know a little bit more about what was the approach really taken up uh, for this project to select those mysterious words and phrases um, for assessment and feedback. So obviously we needed to create a bank of frequently used assessment language to actually use in those investigations. So um, this was largely um, led by two colleagues from UE, Luke Rudge, who um, identified the linguistic methodology to use that, and Harry West, who actually um, led on this aspect of the project. And what we did was we used a software package called Sketch Engine, which each university has access to, and each partner 
undertook the same linguistic analysis of a range of their own assessment documentation. So that might be assessment briefs, modules, specifications, marking criteria and grading descriptors, because obviously we had confidentiality issues at stake, so we couldn't start sharing them around between the partners. So each partner did their own um, analysis based on a formula set out by Luke and Harry as to what they were going to do. And then they just shared the the overall results um, with us for collation. And we chose the modules by taking one year, um, a module from each year of undergraduate study in 17 subject clusters, which were common to at least three of the four partners. In fact, I think where they were common to three partners, they were actually common to all four of us. And we mapped them according to the UK higher education classification of subjects. And we just took the highest level of the um, common aggregation hierarchy, uh, which I think is 21 groups. And we came up with 17 common subject clusters. So that's how we picked the modules. And we identified about a 40 to 47% overlap of commonly used words and phrases and of any substance other than, you know, the and of and all those sorts of words. Um, and we did that for assessment tasks, feedback language and grading descriptors. But the software could only take us so far because of the way that each university documents assessments. And so we ended up with hugely different sample sizes for each institution. And so in the end, we started with um, a short list of about 100 and we literally sat down and, and thrashed it out and decided which terms were most interesting for us and for the project. And that's how we that's how we arrived at our I think we ended up with something like 20 words for each category that went forward into the survey. Brilliant. So there is a lot of that complex analysis that has gone behind this, this project. So a quick follow up question would really be what sort of key themes are emerging from this initial analysis? So it's been really interesting. So we've now done our survey part of the process and we're just starting to move on to focus groups now. So we've each conducted surveys of module leaders and students from each year group within these common subject clusters. And we asked participants to rank um, their confidence in student understanding of each of the selected words using a Likert scale of one being not at all confident to six, which is yes, completely confident that we know how to use the words or students know how to use these words. So we had quite a wide variety of um, sample sizes between each institution and also between different subject clusters. So really our conclusions are more robust for an individual institution, which is great for doing the focus groups and obviously, especially where there were more participants in the survey and looking across the partners as a whole. But we can say less about comparison of understanding between subject clusters or between individual institutions. Generally, we found that there was quite a high confidence amongst both staff and students about student understanding of grading descriptors. And so we've decided to set those aside in our research. I think that's partly because students can just go and ask if they're not sure. And also there's a fair bit of background explanation usually within grading descriptors. So um, we think that's probably why. So um, that was the first thing. Moving on to specific words, um, in terms of assessment tasks, um, might not surprise you that synthesize was the word that both staff and students were least confident that students understood. 
And it might also not surprise you that um, staff were no more confident about the word critical. And the median confidence ratings given by students for 15 out of 21 words was five or above. Um, but for staff, this fell to six out of 21 words, and they didn't give any of them a median rating of six. Um, interestingly, higher rankings were given to words which fall lower down Bloom's taxonomy, so words like define or explain. Um, and for feedback words, the divergence between staff and students was even more pronounced. So um, the term superficial analysis was ranked lowest by students and also by staff. Um, and staff also gave um, their lowest ranking to the words abstract and reflective. Um, and they were scored only slightly higher by students. But students gave confidence ratings, median confidence ratings of five or higher to a staggering remaining 18 of 21 words. And for staff, that was just three words and they didn't rate anything higher than a five. But there was agreement that um, the terms fails to answer the question and successfully with the words that were best understood overall. Thank you, Laura, for sharing with us the how of the project but also what the emerging data from the survey signifies. As you've mentioned, words like synthesize and critical that are often used within the learning outcome statements can definitely be the tricky ones for students, uh, but also for staff at times. It is also interesting to note the feedback words, such as a superficial analysis, was ranked uh, the lowest and perhaps it gives us something to consider as we think about developing and enhancing our feedback literacy in both staff and students. Well, this part of the podcast has been really useful to understand the mechanics of the project. We've discussed the key drivers, the methodology, uh, the analysis, with some really useful insights into ways in which the project responds to sectors' challenges and opportunities in the current assessment landscape. In the second podcast, we will hear from student partners who have been a vital part of the project and continue to support the project. They will share with us their experience of working collaboratively with staff and peers in their own and partner institutions. <music>